Today's show is sponsored by Divi Cloud. Divi Cloud is a cloud security posture management platform that protects cloud and container environments from policy violations, threats, IAM challenges, and misconfigurations. The types of misconfigurations that cause data breaches and threaten the livelihood of enterprises across the globe. In the span of just two years, data breaches attributed to cloud misconfigurations have cost enterprises a jaw-dropping $5 trillion. Why? Because cloud security is often sacrificed in favor of innovation, speed, and agility. Divi Cloud is proving that security and innovation are not mutually exclusive. Join innovative enterprises like Spotify, Twilio, and Discovery, who have found the freedom to innovate securely without the loss of control. Divi Cloud provides continuous security and compliance across all cloud providers and containers, including AWS, GCP, Azure, Alibaba, and Kubernetes, providing a comprehensive view of what's in your cloud, along with the tools and automation you need to manage it today, tomorrow, and well into the future, as your business needs grow and change. To learn more, visit divicloud.com forward slash cloudcast. That's D-I-V-V-Y-C-L-O-U-D dot com forward slash cloudcast to sign up for a free trial. DiviCloud, find your freedom to innovate. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, wanted to dive straight into cloud news of the week. We've got some interesting things this week. A little bit of funding, a little bit of acquisitions, and a little bit of transformation of business as well. First up in news of the week, we have uh, a funding round, a C-series funding round. Uh, Dremio Corporation, uh, who, if you're not familiar with them, they they do self-service analytics. Uh, took a um, $70 million C-round, and uh, business seems to be doing well. Uh, and what are they, though? They are, um, think of it as... You've got the big data lakes out there, right? Amazon Web Services Data Lake and and Microsoft's Azure Data Lake. And and how do you dig into those? And how do you also um, take those analytics and take it one step further? Now, I will say this, um, and it even is called out uh, specifically in the announcement. Uh, Given the status of the situation in the world, um, go-to-market motions may not be uh, what they once were. And, and so what they're looking to do is is take this funding round and batten down the hatches uh, for probably two to three years and, and work on product and, and uh, make the product better um, and uh, come out of the other end looking uh, hopefully for the best. And, and we certainly wish them well. For our second article, uh, it looks like Microsoft is uh, getting into the uh, telecom business. So um, Microsoft, uh, and specifically the Azure Networking Group, um, acquired a 5G company, Affirmed Networks. And, you know, in digging into the press release on this one, because, you know, at first I kind of scratched my head uh, wondering about this, but but, you know, it probably makes sense, right? They're getting into the business of, uh, you know, telecom and, and, and wireless. And, and how can we, you know, they start to control that last mile, if you will. How can they control better delivery of uh, the network experience? And, and um, Affirm Networks was really good. They already have a, you know, virtualized stack, um, virtualized networking. And, and how can they bring that technology into the Microsoft fold. This will be a really, really interesting space to watch uh, as we go forward. 
And with that, we'll move on to our third story here for the week. The third story is uh, just kind of a blurb. We, you know, we we always have followed Kubernetes uh, on the this show um, and wanted to make sure everyone knew about uh, the Kubernetes 1.18 release. And this one is uh, a couple things about this. It's, uh, first of all, the first uh, release of 2020. So, yay. Um, but uh, in addition to that, though, this this one is really more of what they're calling a fit and finish release. Um, a lot of work going into improving uh, both the, the beta features and the stable features. And this goes to show efforts made by the community to improve the reliability of Kubernetes. Um, and, you know, over time, continue to expand out the functionality as well. And lastly, we have uh, kind of a, uh, an addition from our good friends over at Cloud Guru. Uh, they have announced the ability to take exams online through AWS. So AWS announced the expansion of online proctored exams. And so if you wanted to maintain an AWS certification or go obtain an AWS certification, uh, you can go to A Cloud Guru to both study for those exams as well as take those exams as well. Um, and... Uh, if you wanted to do uh, Azure, um, Azure uh, has been doing this for, for a some time now. Um, and then GCP, hopefully, uh, will be coming before too much longer as well. And uh, kudos to a Cloud Guru to continue to be that, that one-stop shop for um, uh, uh, learning and, and moving yourself forward in your career. And with that, uh, we're going to wrap up uh, Cloud News of the Week uh, and have a really interesting uh, interview coming up on security and SecOps. Today's show is brought to you by MongoDB. When you need to focus on building applications, do you want to get bogged down by your database? Definitely not. MongoDB is an intuitive, flexible document database that lets you get to building. MongoDB's document model is a natural way to represent data so you can focus on what matters. And MongoDB Atlas is the best way to use MongoDB. It's a global cloud database service that gives you all the developer productivity of MongoDB, plus the added simplicity of a fully managed database service. You can get started for free with MongoDB Atlas at mongodb.com atlas. That's mongodb.com slash atlas. Today's Cloudcast is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring service that provides comprehensive visibility into cloud, hybrid, and multi-cloud environments with over 350 integrations. Datadog unifies your metrics, logs, and distributed request traces in one platform so that you can investigate and troubleshoot issues across every layer of your stack. Use Datadog's rich, customizable dashboards and algorithmic alerts to ensure redundancy across multi-cloud deployments and monitor cloud migrations in real time. Try Datadog for yourself with a free trial and you receive a complimentary t-shirt. That 14-day trial can be found just by going to datadog.com cloudcast. That's datadog.com cloudcast. And we're back. Uh, we have a really, really interesting guest and topic this week. Um, we have with us this week Natty Hazut, co-founder and CEO of Polyrise. Natty, um, you have a, a really interesting background in both the Israeli military as well as cybersecurity. Can you give everyone a quick introduction, please? 
Sure. So, hi, Aaron. And first of all, thank you for having me in this great product podcast. Really exciting. And uh, yeah, so about my background, uh, I think when I when I started uh, in the cybersecurity space, it wasn't that sexy. It was just computer security. And uh, it was, uh, I think, the intelligent force. This is where I started uh, uh, this journey. I served there for seven years. Uh, as an officer in many different roles, it was a very fascinating time because I had this uh, ability to experience so many different type of aspects of cybersecurity, starting from networking to IoT and always internal. And uh, and you know, after the uh, after serving in the in the army. Uh, I made my first step into the entrepreneurship world, which uh, was my first company, Sam Seamless Network. So it was an IoT security company. We were selling uh, a security solution for service provider to provide uh, an enterprise grade security solution for home users who doesn't have who don't have the awareness. For uh, for security, but uh, uh, we believe that they truly need it. So that was my first company, and the second company is Polyrise, which I'm uh, really excited. Uh, you know that we're gonna discuss about it today. And uh, the Polyrise is kind of the evolution and the journey that I think that cybersecurity uh, we're, we're going through uh, in the recent years. Uh, how everything goes to the cloud. So I started from, you know, from the low-level malware-based uh, hardcore security solutions. And today I'm just like, I think, in the other side of the cybersecurity threat map, which is the cloud. Yeah, that, that, that's really good. Thank you. And so, so Natty, I, I will completely admit, so Brian and I, both we do not come from security backgrounds and historically we haven't talked about it as much on the show and and so some of our listeners may just be learning so let's kind of start at the start um you know we hear lots of ops terms in our industry devops and some of these others and there's also secops so let's start there what is your definition of secops and and why is it so important today sure so I think SecOps, first of all, is about getting security as part of the development life cycle. So if you compare it to the past, uh, it used to be a very siloed process developing software. So the developer uh, start, uh, uh, start writing its code, start creating the product. When it needs help, it goes to the IT guy, it goes to the, to the uh, uh, DBA, uh, the database administrator. But uh, and you know, and the security team, uh, they were not invited. But at a certain point of time, they will knock on the door and will ask some, uh, you know, uh, questions, and then they will try to fix whatever they can fix because the product is already done. But uh, when it comes to the cloud, and everybody wants to get uh, the line of code from the moment that the software developer just wrote it, uh, they want to get it faster as they can into the product, into production. So there's this DevOps effort to make it go really, really fast. Now, when you go fast, you might make uh, a devastating errors that in the past you used to have this time for security team to check it. 
in order to gain this speed, but still be uh, making it in a responsible way, you got to have security as part of the process. You got to have the security team understand what's going on with the developers, with the process, with the infrastructure. So, the, so SecOps is basically making security by design part of the development lifecycle so you can maintain this, uh, this speed that you got today with the DevOps guy, but you can do it in a secured and responsible way. Yep. And, and it's funny because I'm kind of having flashbacks to, you know, projects I've been involved in in the past. And, and uh, you know, I just keep thinking about it. It's like, okay, uh, you know, developers working on something, they get it going and they're like, yep, okay, it works. Push it to production. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's, you know, that's the last thing we want to do in, in this instance. Um, and, and so that, you know, that's certainly one aspect of, um, SecOps. Um, another one, uh, you recently published an article, uh, in security Boulevard, and then we have a link in the show notes. So everyone go check it out on this concept of, of non-human entities in the cloud. And I, I found this Super fascinating. Can you tell everyone what that expression means and, and why it is so important in a cloud and, and SaaS-based world? Sure. So thank you for mentioning that. So uh, the non-human identities in the cloud is basically, I don't know, when we're talking about identities and we're talking about securing identities in the cloud, uh, so we both we tend to think, we're talking about humans. Uh, we're talking about you know employees, users, but in fact, uh, when we're talking about cloud applications, there are many access tokens, API keys. Uh, we mentioned DevOps and SecOps, so they have their own automation processes running through uh, a non-human uh, machines that are running over time, and uh, and basically. Uh, when you're not aware of them, uh, this this could be very risky for the organization. And uh, usually, you'll be surprised to see how how many. I mean, they got a lot of privileges. They can do a lot of actions. And one good example or bad example, if you want, is the Capital One breach that happened, uh, like I think one year ago. And uh, for our listeners that you know they they don't know what happened there, so I'll just say that. Uh, there was an AWS role, a non-human role. Uh, the purpose of this role was to configure uh, a firewall inside the AWS infrastructure, where in fact this role has the uh, capability to access um, to access customers' data. So eventually, what happened, an attacker managed to took over this role and then exfiltrate data. Uh, from uh, um, from the Capital One Cloud, which is a good reminder why, even though this role considered to be uh, a very uh, you know very hard, very easy to 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 profile and to classify like the actions that they're doing, they're doing the same actions, they're going to the same machines. It doesn't mean they're going to do it uh, all the time, and you need to secure them and treat them. In the same uh, uh, in the same security controls that you're monitoring and uh, treating uh, humans today in the cloud. And as kind of a follow up to to that, and and kind of bringing back uh, you know your your company prior to this as well. 
Um, uh, another vector uh, is when I, when I think about this is I, I, I think about IoT, right? And we'll go into a discussion here in a little bit about kind of a perimeter model and, and some of these other forms of security. But, but you know, when I think of IoT, I immediately think, okay, you've got an edge device, you've got an endpoint device, and there is no such thing as a perimeter a- anymore. And, and so what are some of the, you know, top of mind thoughts when it comes to handling these kind of emerging models? So, so you're talking about, so just to make sure I got the question, uh, mm-hmm. we're talking about identities outside the perimeter Correct. or like, Correct. okay, yeah, got it. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, there's this saying uh, for the last year since the, the zero trust model is evolving. So they're saying identity is the new perimeter, which can, which I can, uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, basically, when you look for the common denominator uh, in the uh, in the new perimeter, it's not a it's not a physical borders. It's not uh, it's not where the data is stored because it's everywhere. But you, so identity basically creates the new perimeter, and uh, this is a, a huge challenge because when we think of security in the last uh, twenty years and the way it was designed, it was all designed for the on-premise, for these physical borders. So we're just adding more and more layers for this perimeter. And even when we had remote access, it was a VPN that helps us access inside a perimeter. And suddenly, your most critical data is not inside a perimeter, it's out there. And your CRM is on uh, Salesforce or Dynamics 365. So it's also out there. And you think to yourself, all these lines of defense that I built through these years, they're not that effective anymore. So now I need to make sure I can handle identities and privileges. And it's not a coincidence that Polarize is just about these subjects addressing these challenges. Yeah, and, and that's such a good point because, yeah, I come from the old uh, secure the perimeter days if you will, right? And then the monolithic application days. And as we move to both microservices with lots of interconnection points, as well as uh, being in a SaaS world, and and some of our data is in different systems, and we're having to stitch together more and more. The idea of the identity being the new perimeter, that's, that's such a good point. Um, now, uh, let me ask you, and maybe it goes back to the non-human entities portion again, and the Capital One breach specifically, but, but I would imagine automation and API-driven systems, uh, you know, and I kind of think is infrastructure as code, but there's so many other applications as well. This probably changes perspectives a good bit as well. And so, um, you know, when it comes to identity management of non-people, <laughs> right? And especially automation at scale, what are some of the factors that we have to consider in something like this? Right. So I think the good news about is, uh, about uh, being a, a non-human identity is that it's, it's easier to, to, to predict what type of actions they can do. So respectively, it's easier to enforce what they shouldn't do. So the factors basically is first analyzing and understanding what type of access these non-human identities can potentially 
uh, access or what kind of uh, of impact they can create on the service and making sure it's in the right scopes and in the right borders. So this is the first thing. And the second thing is about learning the behavior. So I think same with my previous company with IOTs. So here's the same story with the non-human identities. One, one thing is that they're truly different from the humans, they should treat differently. But on the other hand, it's easier to learn their baseline. It's easier to understand the way they behave. So if we'll take again the Capital One example. So if this role is configuring every day the same firewall or every month, but it's always the same type of actions for the same, uh, for the same device, this is something that can be hardened. This is something that can be strictly monitored. So uh, for your question, A is about evaluating the permissions and B is about closely monitoring the actions that they're actually performing. Yeah, good, 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 good. Natty, now let, let me ask you a little bit more about your current uh, endeavor, PolyRise, um, because we kind of brought all of this together and we kind of inter- introduced some foundational concepts. What are the problems you are trying to solve with PolyRise? Sure. So um, I think that in general, what we try to solve with PolyRise and when we created this company is it's it's about, you know, who's accessing your most critical data in the cloud. And, uh, and answering this question might sound, uh, you know, allegedly simple, but obviously, as we see, you got humans, you got non-humans identities. Now we see also external vendor as an evolving challenge, uh, especially when the, uh, an, another trend that we see of managed services uh, is also getting inside the, the organization. So there are many types of identities who can access the data. And with Polarize, uh, we're addressing the challenge of uh, helping the organization understand what type of access each identity has. Uh, is it excessive? Uh, does this identity has, uh, you know, uh, uh, too much power? They can impact how they can impact the organization. So the first thing is about helping security teams understand. Uh, what type of access each identity has. The second thing is to make sure the identity does not misuse the access uh, that he has because uh, because it could be the identity itself, but it also could be an outside attacker. And when you think about it, doing it for one service, uh, this is a lot of effort from the security team, right? They need to uh, to maintain kind of a, like a spreadsheet that say what type of access each, each identity has and when they want to monitor unwanted behavior. So they'll write scripts uh, and queries in Splunk. But reality uh, shows us that when you have so many different cloud services, security team just struggling to catch up to learn every service separately. It becomes a very tedious job to uh, to assess the access of identities, not to mention investigating incidents in the cloud. So uh, so basically what we did, we created a, a universal language to translate the access and the activity model of the different cloud services to allow security teams a unified focal point to control identities and their access in the cloud. 
Okay. And, and a follow-up to that, are, are we trying to then, I always think of it as, okay, there's the day zero or day one model of, of okay, this is helping uh, security organizations um, configure systems and, and, and secure multiple platforms. And then there's also the monitoring after the fact, the day one plus, right? What do you do on day 215, right? And is, so it is, a, is it a combination of configuration and a combination of monitoring and compliance of security over time? Tell us a little bit more about that. Correct, correct. Uh, I think that, you know, with the shared responsibility model, right, we see that from the on-premise to the cloud, we had on-premise, then, then we had uh, infrastructure as a service, then software as a service, and the next phase is even managed services. So what we see here is how the, uh, the cloud providers like AWS and Salesforce, what they're saying is we're going to take care of your, uh, of the infrastructure of the security of the service. You don't need to worry about uh, vulnerabilities and uh, network-based attacks, but we're also going to give you keys. And you need to make sure you give the right keys to the right guys with the right amount of access. Because if you want, that's a, this is your problem. And, uh, and the way you stated, I think that's exactly what we're doing. We're helping you First of all, get this unified visibility, being proactive and reduce the attack surface by revoking unused and risky privileges uh, across the cloud. But also we're monitoring the way these identities are actually using their access to identify if there's any suspicious uh, actions uh, in the cloud. And I think a very interesting thing that I just uh, ran into lately CrowdStrike, they just uh, published their uh, 2020 cybersecurity report. And a very interesting thing that, that they say there is that this is the first year, 2020, where the uh, malware-free attacks are more common than malware-based attack. And by saying malware-free, just to make it clear, they mean that you don't need any type of vulnerability, right? Phishing attacks, potential attacks. So what we see here is like, you know, it's not about how you break in and exfiltrate data through vulnerability, is how the uh, the threat landscape goes to the who's to the you know login and post login activity, and uh, I think it's very fascinating to see how the market is changing there. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would just add a, a another kind of fascinating inflection point for me personally, and this probably goes into your your most common use use cases is the challenges of of securing multiple platforms. Uh, you know, take a, you're trying to, you know, stitch together, if you will, um, for each identity. Okay. You have access to this SaaS service or this IaaS service and, and they can be vastly different models as well. So, so providing that abstraction layer, um, and this commonality is would would I, I'm assuming, and I'll, I'll kind of ask you, is that probably the biggest use case that, that folks are, are coming to you for right now? Right. So uh, I think, yeah, I think being comprehensive is something that is very valuable. Uh, but in addition, 
I think that many cloud, uh, cloud security solutions uh, uh, today, uh, one of the problems is that they're providing a lot of data about actions, like just providing logs on the different services. And I think one of the greatest thing that we did with the Polarize, this translation layer, allows you to enrich the context of what is actually happening. So you want to have just a pile of logs and you try to understand what it means on every service. Another thing that we identify is that when customers are using the product, they're asking, for example, let's say they have like an incident that they want to investigate. So they wouldn't ask for a specific user in a specific service. They would either say uh, it's a specific role, for example, but it also could be an employee. And when they're asking about employee, they want to see the complete view of what type of permission this user has, uh, what type of actions he did on every service. And, and they don't mind that this is like, you know, different services. And then they start asking questions, right? So they want to see all the permission changes that this user uh, did. And uh, with just pile of logs, you need to understand and you need to learn before, before uh, initiating the investigation, how enrollment look like on AWS, in Salesforce, in uh, G Suite. So what we're helping them, and this is a great use case that we're helping with, is creating this unified layer so they can ask a single question and we and we were going to answer how it reflects with the different services. Nati, that's that's such a good summary. Thank you. I think actually what we'll do is we'll we'll kind of close on on that. We're kind of out of time for today. Where can everyone um, find out more about you, about the company? Um, you know, given the climate and the state of things, I wouldn't say where are you going to be at upcoming events. I think that's kind of on pause worldwide for just about everyone. But but uh, if somebody wanted to discover more uh, about you online, where would they go? Sure. So obviously our website, uh, polarize.com and LinkedIn. Uh, so uh, yeah, probably the, this would be the best way to uh, to catch up and see what's new with Polarize. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. And, and uh, as always, we will have uh, links to everything in the show notes. Uh, on behalf of Brian, uh, who wasn't able to make it this week, uh, thank you everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 